It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, brought to you by Smoky Mountain Organics. Of course, if you're suffering from spring allergies now in the summer, like many of us are, you need to go check out Smoky Mountain Organics. He's Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store that focuses on natural products and organic remedies to a variety of ailments. They have three locations in East Tennessee, including one right here in Knoxville. It's at 8018 Kingston Pike across the street from the Trader Joe's. And of course, you can always shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. The Ballquest Mailbag Podcast with Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, and Ben McKee here today. I'm Mary Kane. And of course, if you are subscribed to us on YouTube, you got notified first. And if you're, if you're not subscribed, not following us on YouTube, please go ahead and take care of business and do that right now. You'll know first before it even hits the general quarters. We've got a full bank of questions here today, guys. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Tons of camp questions, some recruiting and more. Uh, we'll go ahead and start off with Zeusify. Biggest surprise through the first few days of fall camp. Brent Hubs, if you want to, if you want to lead off here. Oh, I, I guess he's asking for individuals. I mean, I think Amari McNeil looks as different as anybody on, on the practice field, but I don't know that he's going to factor in in any way, shape, or form. Um, the mentality of Tyler Barron, I think, is better, and we'll, we'll see how that can if that continues uh, throughout fall camp. Uh, he stands out, and then uh, Rob, I think you've talked about this a lot. I mean, they just look different, particularly from an athletic standpoint. Yeah, I just. It, I mean, just to the naked eye, the thing that jumped out at me is just there's more speed. And that's that's especially true at the skill positions, which is where you notice it. Um, you know, wide receiver, obviously, you know, we talked about Squirrel White. I mean, he brings a different dimension. Brew McCoy, you know, even even though he's not in shape yet, I mean, you can kind of see with his his body type and, and, and quick twitch. And in the secondary, I mean, I think the influx of the, you know, the transfers, getting guys back from spring, it's – I mean, they 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 just look more like an SEC football team when you're talking about just pure speed and athleticism. Yeah, we'll go to Iron Ball next. Which veteran on the defensive line would you say that didn't play a whole lot last year has impressed you the most early on that you could see playing a larger role? Uh, ben, just like Brent kind of said, I mean, I don't really anticipate Amari McNeil playing much of a role, but there's going to be a lot of guys that play there. But a veteran that didn't see any time last year that I can see being in the rotation this year would be uh, a veteran in Bryson Eason. Yes, and technically, I guess he is a veteran uh, because what is he a junior now? But I, I, I kind of still view him as <laughs> an underclassman, uh, maybe unfairly. But I, I think it's just kind of a hodgepodge of guys at, at the moment. There, there's not really any one guy that stands out to me. Uh, with, with Bryson Eason, uh, I'll steal a Brent Hubbs phrase and say that I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, the the guys that I I really like in that room and have high hopes for is a guy like Dejon Terry, who is absolutely physical enough, in my opinion, to to be a real contributor in the SEC. Hopefully Latrell Bumpus, hopefully he can be productive, but I don't know how productive just because of the injuries that he has sustained over the course of his career. I think it would just be a big win if he could stay healthy throughout the season. And look, I'm expecting Amari Thomas and, uh, maybe a Karat Garland to, to take a step forward. Everybody's been asking about Elijah Simmons for years now. It, it's now or never for him, uh, yeah. but another guy that uh, I'll believe it when I when I see it. So uh, I, I don't think the defensive line is as uh, cut out as maybe Rodney Garner would like for it to be or crystal clear as, as he would like for it to be because I, I think it's just kind of a hodgepodge of guys at the moment, Brent Hobbs. 
If they're going to be, Rob, if they're going to be a defensive line that, that can rotate and hold up for a season, Bryson Eason and Elijah Simmons, to, to me, are the two biggest questions that have to get answered. Those guys just have to play uh, when you look at all the snaps Butler took a year ago that he's not there to take this year. I, I think they're the two biggest unknowns and maybe two of the biggest factors right now that they got to get an answer to. Yeah, and I mean, because even though you know, Deshaun Terry played some last year, I mean, you, you know, he's I, he's not a grizzled veteran, I mean, right? But but he he's played. You know, you, you can count on him a little bit. So I'm with you. I mean, and and ben, Ben's right. It's now or never for Elijah Simmons. I mean, how long have we been hearing about? You know, he he's had a great off season. He's turned the corner, and you know that's never translated into on field production. So I think he's a big X factor. And man, Rodney Garner does not throw around praise very often and I and he may not do so publicly with this kid but that the way he's the way that you know the kind of chatter as you've heard about Bryson Eason uh if it comes from Coach Garner that makes me think he's got a chance to really be a factor this year. Yep, I would agree. And Latrell Bumpless meeting with the media yesterday said that you know he's of course health is going to be the number one factor for him. You know, how much can he give Tennessee this year? But the versatility there playing a little in with Tyler uh, Tyler Barron and then sliding inside on, on third downs potentially. So, you know, we'll see what he can give them. You know, he's a quiet, he's quietly a productive, he's been a productive player when healthy. I mean, it's not flashy necessarily, but, but for his, when he's healthy, he's been, he's been a pretty productive player. So uh, he would be a great, uh, great get for Tennessee if he can stay healthy. That's just a big question mark with him right now. One more from Iron Vaughn. and Brent, you can add to this if, if you have any more. Um, where do the balls go at off at the tackle now with uh, Stanton Rommel off the board? Uh, Bison Lang is obviously a guy that uh, has Tennessee in this top five or top six. He's not in any rush, uh, but it's going to be further evaluation through the fall. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to continue to to look at those guys and, um, you know, evaluate them throughout the, the first three games of their senior season. And, and I think the transfer portal, I mean, is it, obviously – an answer for Tennessee as well to potentially look at there. Um, so uh, they, they need more tackle bodies. They, they've got to find one or two more. The question is where they're going to find them at. I certainly would not rule out the transfer market as a possibility. Moving on now to Athrun and uh, Ben, we'll let you lead this one off right here. I've been, I've been in the belief that Christian Harrison will help this team in more than just special teams this year. What do you say about Christian Harrison early impression? I, I I'm all in on Christian Harrison. I uh, which is which is weird for some to hear because I know I'm Mr. Negativity. And maybe I just need to stay in my baseball lane. But uh, Christian Harrison, I I am king of the Christian Harrison fan club. I've bought all the Christian Harrison stock, and and I I do say it with a grain of salt. It's first week of fall camp, and haven't completely been in full pads uh, just yet, but. Uh, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't pay it out for Tennessee. I, I think that's going to be a real nice pickup for Tennessee, and it's simply because uh, of what I've seen so far, and that is he's just very fundamentally sound. Uh, you, you saw it on day one. It, it's it's evident that his dad played in the NFL for as long as he did, and not, not only did his dad play in the NFL, but Rodney Harrison was one of the best safeties to ever play in the NFL, had a, a very nice long career, and uh, you, you can tell that he's been coached up properly, and, and he plays with the proper technique, uh, and he's going to be where he needs to be. He's going to do what he needs to do. Uh, and on day one, he was jamming up veterans at, at the line of scrimmage. Uh, first first practice at Tennessee ever, and he's jamming veterans at the line of scrimmage. And I don't think that really says a, a whole lot about Tennessee's receivers because it was Jalen Hyatt, as I mentioned in the Monday night chat. And, and 
yeah, you'd like for Jalen Hyatt to win that rep. But Jalen Hyatt's looked really good. So I, I don't think it's really an indication of Jalen Hyatt for, for, for anybody whose mind went straight to that. So uh, I've, I'm have i president of the Christian Harrison fan club. Hopefully it doesn't come back to bite me in the butt. Hey, however, before we move on, how, does it rub you the wrong way at all to hear somebody talk about one of the all somebody was one of the best players in NFL history who never owned a back to school NFL twenty eighteen pencil set? I know, man. I mean, it you know, he didn't have he didn't have he didn't have the NFL lunchbox, and he didn't have that pencil set. You know, that is <laughs> fake news. What? I had the pencils. I had the pencil. The pencils you had a pencil set. You- I did. I heard you. You had, and a, you had an iPad. You had an iPad in kindergarten. You didn't have. Well, <laughs> I, exactly iPads. Right. About it. I'm not that young. I'm they were handing young. out. They were handing out Chromebooks for him when, when they when they went to the first grade. I had my NFL pencils, <laughs> my my baseball pencils, and my NBA team pencils. Yeah, the box where you keep all your pencils and your your markers yep. and, and all that stuff in there. That's. I'm telling you what. I mean, the the NFL pencils for back to school. I mean. Nobody, nobody fought their parents harder than I did for for NFL pencils for my back to school pencil. <laughs> I did not want, I did not want a brown. What, what are they, Dixon Ticonderoga pencils that that Lee sure. Corso's owns that company with? I wanted the NFL pencils. Those are big. And I might not have sharpened half of them throughout the year, <laughs> but I wanted those in my in my pencil bag. That's for sure. Hey Rob, uh, another question here from Athrun. Whatever happened to William Parker? Remember him being in a, a fierce uh, Tennessee, being in a, a fierce recruiting battle with Alabama and a couple others at the time. I just think that a lot of times it's you know obviously a coaching change and everything, but it's not been much development there at that spot. And you've seen that with the way that they've attacked the transfer portal. There's a couple of guys in those uh, 2020 class that you know, 2021 class that really just haven't progressed the way that initially you thought that they would when they entered the class. Yeah, there's a couple of them. I guess is Reggie Perry also in that class? I mean, he's a guy that, you know, would be on the short list for the first off the bus team. And, uh, you know, the same boat. And I don't have an answer for William Parker. I thought when, when Tennessee got him that, you know, not that he was going to play as, as a freshman, but I thought he really looked like a nice developmental prospect. And as you mentioned, you know, it, it wasn't like, you know, Tennessee didn't have to win a battle for him. But, you know, he's a young offensive lineman. I'm, 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 I'm not – ever ready to write those guys off immediately because they they can take some time gut feeling on ricky gibson and jordan matthews my gut feeling right now is to watch georgia for ricky gibson i kind of kind of feel like that brent and then for jordan matthews uh, continues to have great dialogue with tennessee of course tennessee and texas uh vols still think they're very much in that one Uh, i don't know if you have anything to add to that and then one more while we got you do you think Tennessee will circle back around with any of the guys that are committed elsewhere, especially if Tennessee has a, a good year? Nah, it's called recruiting, right? You don't start recruiting guys till they commit is kind of kind of the notion out there for a lot of people. So uh, the, the same way that schools are coming after Tennessee's commits and will recruit them, Tennessee will recruit other schools' commitments. It's not like basketball uh, where, where there's a little bit more of a gentleman's agreement. I don't know, Rob, I don't know that that agreement's as strong as it once was, but, you know, there's kind of a notion there that, that, that schools back off a little bit after a kid's made a commitment. You don't see a ton of flips in basketball. Football, man, the word commitment just means recruit harder. And, and so, yeah, I mean, Tennessee's going to continue to circle around uh, to, to committed players and, and see if they have any interest, particularly if they have a good year. Ricky Gibson, Tennessee, or um, excuse me, Jordan Matthews, Tennessee, or Texas. Uh, Ricky Gibson, the only thing I wonder about that one is if that was going to be Georgia, why is it not already Georgia if Georgia was ready to take him? 
Um, and maybe they are, maybe he just wanted to go home and think about it. We'll, you know, we'll see. But that's the one thing I wonder about Ricky Gibson is if, if he was a take at Georgia, I, I thought he would jump in quicker than, and, and make news uh, faster than he has because he's obviously not done anything to this point. We will go to Major Moody Vall and uh, any freshman offensive lineman outside of uh, Addison Nichols you expecting to help. I know it's early, but uh, Tennessee needs them to contribute down the line. Ben, I, I don't think any freshman offensive lineman right now is – is set to play a major role. It's very much a developmental position. I could see Addison maybe maybe by season's end, midseason, maybe transitioning to the backup role, but uh, I don't see any of those guys, you know, stepping foot, be ready to go right now. Yeah, I don't appreciate you pitching me high and in and, and giving me a question to be negative on, Eric, first and foremost. But, no, <laughs> I, 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 I agree with you. I don't see any of Villa's offensive linemen. Uh, contributing this season. Addison Nichols w- would be the only one, in my opinion. Mo Clipper, Brian Grant, though, those guys are going to need some time to develop. Masai Reddick, um, uh, his T-shirt did, didn't necessarily do him any favors in terms of seeing how his body <laughs> did looks. Did you go there, Ben? When, when, when uh, he was meeting with the media. But, I mean, that's that's where he's at. I mean, he is a, a developmental offensive lineman, and Tennessee knew that when, when they took his commitment. And uh, I, I think he has the potential to be – Good at Tennessee, just gotta gotta get in the weight room. Just just as many freshmen have to. But Addison Nichols, just because that center position is so light, and I don't know that he's strictly working at center, but uh, he has a little bit in the spring. Uh, he's an interior offensive lineman, and and just because that center position is so thin, maybe if Cooper can't stay healthy, which to this point in his career he hasn't been able to stay healthy, maybe he's thrown in there as an emergency center uh, if Jerome Carvin can't but he'd be the only one I see playing this year. Rob Lewis, we heard from Ryan Jean-Marie. We heard from Solon Page. A lot of questions about Juwan Mitchell. Um, Is he going to be a factor at linebacker this year for Tennessee? Is it it a see-it-to-believe-it type situation there as well? Well, I mean, just listening to the coaches, and I don't – I mean, and I generally think these guys don't dodge stuff and, and, you know, don't give you a lot of hot air like we've all seen in the past. And Tim Banks and – Brian John Marie were both pretty high on him. I thought, you know, um, today talked about how, how he was healthy for the first time in a year and a half, two years. You've not heard any of those kind of read between the lines comments that maybe, you know, suggest that maybe he's not bought in or your attitude was a problem, which I, I think you kind of heard last year and can maybe, maybe see a little bit on, on the practice field. So I'm, I, I put a lot of trust in his staff to pretty much shoot you straight. And it, it sounds like they are, County on him to be a factor this year. Brent Hubs, if you had to go over under a point five, where oh, would you go no. for yes. Matthews? Pass. How's this? Pass. I'll be positive. I'll be positive. I'll say over, but that's pass. I don't, I don't like. I don't like those questions. Well, no, okay, Hubbard, what about a percentage that Tennessee pass? <laughs> All right, well, answer Hard this pass. One. What have you heard about Cam Miller at safety? Why did Tennessee hey, not I, move him there? Well, I mean, I think they're just trying to find a place for him, you know, and, and I'm not sure they felt like he was going to be uh, an answer for them at wide receiver with all the other receivers that they brought in. I, I, you know, I thought there might be a chance they take a look at him at running back when they too. just didn't have enough depth there, but uh, I'm not sure they felt like they feel like he factors in there. We'll, we'll see where he's at from a safety standpoint. I, I think he's a guy that can help you on special teams. Uh, and then, you know, maybe find himself in a position at some point in time. here. I, I think right now he's kind of a good athlete without a home 
and they're trying to find a home for him. And, and that's why they flipped him to safety to see what that looks like. On that note, freshman wide receivers, kind of what do they look like outside of Squirrel White? We've heard a lot about Squirrel White. Haven't heard a whole lot of buzz, and guys, feel free to jump in if you have, about Caleb Webb. But Jazz Nimrod getting some one-on-one -on -one attention with Kelsey Pope. I feel like they've been pleasantly surprised, liked what he did in spring, and are trying to get him ready to go. Now, again, that doesn't mean major role, but uh, a guy to develop and, and provide some depth there on the outside. Um so uh, of all the receivers kind of coming in uh, of that class, I think that he would have been, you know, towards the bottom, honestly, but looks like Tennessee likes his makeup. Uh, and these freshman running backs, are they going to contribute this year out of talent or because they have to? Uh, I, I feel like it's because they're going to have to, obviously, but uh, Brent, that also helps that you bring in a, you know, a commitment yesterday from uh, transfer from Clemson and West Virginia, Lynn J. Dixon. Yeah, you got Dixon in, and and that adds some experience there with the with the two veteran guys. I guess he's a veteran, Jalen Wright, in his second year in the program, and um, Jabari Small. I mean, the question is, can those guys stay healthy? Uh, I'm fascinated to see what Dylan Samson looks like in pads. I mean, because you know you you got on, and you got to get between the tackles and get downhill. Uh, I think he is as intriguing as, as intriguing could be. So, uh, I'm pretty fascinated to see what he looks like here over the course of the next couple of weeks. Ben McKee, we'll go to you next. This is from Coach93. Which game are you most excited about or intrigued about for this season for Tennessee? Ooh, that's a, a great question. There, there, there's a ton of good sneaky games on the, the schedule this year. I'll, I'll, tip, I'll uh, dip my toes into my love for for Mark Stoops, and I think that's an interesting game, and I think Missouri is as well. But how can you look past September? And I know part of that is football season is right here, and we're looking at the front front half instead of the back half. But uh, Pittsburgh and, and Florida, that, that can really dictate the momentum for Josh Heupel's year two and whether fans continue to see progress or uh, not saying that fans will, will jump off the boat if – Tennessee doesn't have a successful September, but uh, th there will definitely be some criticism. Uh, and, and Pittsburgh did go out and get Keaton Slovis, who, who was able to do some nice things at USC. But uh, I saw a thread today on the board where fans are talking about how Kenny Pickett's gone, Jordan Addison's gone, and Tennessee lost that game, which they did uh, there in Neyland Stadium. But uh, that one's really intriguing to me. Um, not to, not I, think to, it, I was going to say not to cut you off, but my two cents. That's a game in year two you got to go up there and win. you got to win that yes. game. Yeah, yeah. From from the fan perspective, you definitely have, and I I think Brent, there there's that same logic that applies that there's going to be fan pressure, pressure from the fans to to beat Florida because it's at home. You've got Hinton Hooker, you've got Cedric Tillman, and Florida lost a lot of talent. They may have Anthony Richardson, but they've got a brand new ball coach too. I think those are the two most intriguing games uh, right now. Well, I think they're the two most important games right now as well. I mean, intriguing in terms of the matchup. Uh, you know, you're going on the road. Pittsburgh's defense is good, you, you know, uh, so there's intrigue there. But, but I look at it as you know, just important. I, I think that Florida game is really important, and I don't mean from a job security standpoint or anything like that. But, I mean, Tennessee's supposed to get Florida this year. I mean, it, you know, and, and, Rob, they found every way to lose this game for a long time. Can they find, can they find a way to win, to, to win this game in a game that they're supposed to win? I think everybody's going to say coming in, Tennessee's a better football team than Florida. Can they go out and get it done uh, when, when it's on them and the pressure's on them to get it done? Yeah, I, I think those two that you guys are talking about, I think those are easy wins. So I'm going I'm going LSU. Most intriguing game for me. 
Wow. I, I'm, I'm kind of joking, half joking, but I, I do think wow. easy win. So, so right now easy you're picking Tennessee Florida. to beat Florida if we had the oh, yeah. matchup. Okay, absolutely. Hubbard's not there did, yet. If you did a little deep guys, dive, guys, I won't be there when the ball is kicked. Hubbard Come won't on, be man. there in the fourth quarter when the balls are up thirty-one. When to Tennessee wins the game, Hub's going to say, "I got to see it again to believe it." <laughs> Remember, I, I've seen fourth and whatever that was uh, in, in the swamp where it went that way. I remember fourth and 19 and 96 on the open. I'm not going to go through all of them because it'll just it'll make people turn the podcast off and it'll make me be Mr. Negative. And I, I don't want to be that guy. Right, Ben? I'm driving back to Orlando with Paul Fortenberry crying on my shoulders after the fourth, fourth and 13. Was that when he lost the camera, Rob? I think I think those were unrelated instances. But but did did you stop at a McDonald's halfway to Orlando and sit in a drive-through line for two hours to get French fries? Not for two hours, but I've 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 been at that McDonald's on the way back from Orlando with with a player who shall not be named. He knows it all too well. He's, he's conspicuously absent from today's podcast. Is all I'll say. All right, let's go on now to balls thirty-one thirty-one. Short yardage situations, an adventure for this offense last season. We all agree that has got to improve in 2022, and that's you know been a focus on some of these early press conferences. Has this staff ever discussed using Joe Milton in a Tebow-type role on third and fourth downs? The answer to that would be no. Um, I understand it utilized that athletic ability and everything. He did a little bit against Ball State. Ball State's not Florida. I recognize that, but I don't think that's ever been discussed. I don't think we'd ever see that, right, Brent? Well, Hubbard, I don't. I don't think he – I mean, we. it was a small sample size, but – and I knew Brent's talked about this. I remember it. I mean, he doesn't run the ball like he's 6'6", 250 pounds. No, he does not. I mean, that's – I mean, he's a quarterback, and, and he has stated publicly that he would never be interested in playing another position. And that's not to say he, he, he refuses to run the ball. I think he scored two touchdowns against Bowling Green. Uh, but but I think the takeaway in watching him play – watching Joe play the first, you know, two games was – not the runner that that a lot of us thought he was going to be from a physicality standpoint or a niftiness. I mean, Hendon Hooker's legs are much more effective. If I'm going to go short yardage and give it to a quarterback, I'm giving it to Hendon Hooker. If Joe Milton were the starter, then you want to throw that question at me. Then I might say, yeah, let's put a Hendon Hooker package in on third and fourth down because he runs the ball better. I don't think it goes the other way. Will's Vols 23. Rob, we'll go to you because you mentioned this earlier in the pod. Uh, now that you've seen a few practices, um, who were some guys on the first team off the bus? Oh, I'd say, man, I've meant to work this one in. We were talking about freshmen or somebody. I'd say the most imp- impressive freshman to me physically, and he's not going to be first off the bus with some of the older guys, but dude, uh, Caleb Perry is a, a really good looking fe- specimen. And, you know, his, his position coach raved about him pretty well today um i think tyler barron i think looks uh, a million times better he's i don't i don't know if he's necessarily lost weight but he's moved some weight around he is he is way leaner byron young looks like a million bucks um those 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 guys would be on my short list for sure yeah i think tyler barron looks uh looks pretty good as well uh We'll go to Ben. Do you prefer a home-and-home non-conference game every year, or would you rather just play teams in lower tier? I would imagine home-and-home all day, right? You want to see good college football? Home-and-home, absolutely. Uh, That that is what I prefer, for sure. But if you're Tennessee and you're trying to get back to being vintage Tennessee, is that the correct approach to take? 
Uh, I think the better approach would be to take the Mark Stoops route and, and schedule three or four cupcakes so you can get, get those easy 10-win seasons. I, I think that that's the route that you need Still to go. Still got but Alabama on the, on the schedule every year, yeah. That, that's right. But I, I, from a fan perspective and just loving college football, you definitely – Definitely want to see the home and homes, uh, even the the simple ones like Nebraska and, and Wisconsin, and we've seen Tennessee do uh, Oregon and, and Oklahoma. Like that, that is what makes Syracuse so great in Charlotte. You don't want to see Syracuse in Charlotte, right? I mean, yeah. that's, and, and I, Hubbard. No. I mean, from an older perspective, don't you think that was a big part of building Tennessee's brand back in the day? That you know they would play UCLA, they would play USC. You know, I, I think that was a big big part that you know kind of. It, it helped. I, I mean, I really feel like that helped the brand nationally. I mean, and, and, you know, with with cable TV and every game being on, maybe it's not as important anymore. But you know, Keith Jackson calling a, a Tennessee UCLA game back in the day was something I can remember as a kid. It made it feel like a pretty big moment. Well, I mean, I think when you look at the eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, those were okay years, not great years, Tennessee. Um, you know, obviously beat Miami and after the 85 season and the 86 Sugar Bowl and then a little bit of a downturn there. And I, I remember that 89 game that was on pay-per-view where Tennessee yep. went to Pasadena and, and introduced Reggie Cobb and Chuck Webb to everybody. And, and that was as big of a statement win to get Tennessee moving into the 90s and the, and the upper echelon that they became. Uh, that one, even the tie against Colorado, uh, 31-31 in the Pigskin Classic. Yep was a statement game. So, I mean, yeah, I think you're absolutely wanting to play uh, some type of non-conference game against a, a program that, that, that presents a statement and, and makes a statement more than you do these other games. But to, to, to stack wins and to improve your bowl stock and, and to build yourself back up, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, you're probably not ready to do that. And I think the one thing about scheduling those games right now is you don't know what the conference schedule is going to look like. How many games are you going to play? Uh, and you just, I mean, you have to schedule them so far out. You don't, you don't know. I mean, you think Billy Napier is looking forward to opening with Utah? I mean, you, you think, I mean, that, that's a game that they're like, God, I wish I could get out of that one. You know, got no desire to go there. So, um, you know, when you're good, you like those games. When you're not good, I mean, that trip to Oregon for Tennessee, I mean, that was drudgery. Everybody who got on a plane to go to that game to cover it or watch it or whatever went, this is going to be ugly. And you know what? It was ugly because Tennessee they wasn't ready to play that game. So I think it just kind of depends on where you are. Uh, but ultimately, if you're in the, moving in the direction you're supposed to be moving in, you want to be playing in those types of games because they're fun. Yeah, I think I misspoke. It's actually Syracuse next year. And then you'll have, again, a rematch of West Virginia and Charlotte in a couple of years. But I couldn't agree more. Um, got a couple more. Let's go through rapid fires. Time's running out. Rob, will the defense, and I don't think this is a question we can answer right now, but we'll ask it anyway. Um, will the defense finally have depth they trust to send out there in meaningful games? Seemed like there were just the ones last year and then no one else. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could – I think they could stand some more depth up front, but, I mean, I, I think you're going to be deeper than playing essentially three linebackers the whole year. I think you're a lot deeper in the secondary. Now, how good is that depth? You know, is it is it as as Hubbard likes to say? Is it is it is it just a sack of potatoes in in the secondary, or you know, is it quality? I, I do think there are a lot a lot more guys who are legitimately competing for playing time than we saw a year ago. So I'll say yes, but I mean, I still don't think it is it's where you want it to be. You know, at the upper echelon of the SEC. E Shaver ninety two wants to know if Christian Charles stays at corner, does he start Brent Hubs? 
Uh, I would not say start, but uh, I think he'd be in a rotation at corner and would play there. I, I think right now um, Kamal Haddon and, and Warren Burrell probably going to be my opening day starters if I were penciling somebody in. Um, and then I think Christian Charles may push there depending on how uh, Warren Burrell plays. Um, Ben's buying stock in Christian Harrison. I, I'm buying the Kamal Haddon stock right now. Um, I'm So we'll, we'll see. I may be proven wrong, but I'm buying the Haddon stock. Yep, I've been on that stock since the Music City Bowl as well. Sam Smith, 22-33. Ben, with the lack of running back depth, proven uh, quality proven at that position, uh, the staff used the short passing game as a substitute for running the football. Saw Jeremy Pruitt do this a little bit back in 2019, but I, I would still assume the answer would be no for the most part. They're going to try to establish the run. Yes, uh, but but my answer would be yes, but uh, but only to, to a certain extent. Like I, I don't think they're just going to – drown themselves in short passing plays or, or situations to, to the backs. We, we did see uh, in practice on uh, Wednesday, and there's video of this out here, which is why I can say it, uh, they were working on the, the old swing pass, which uh, the last time since these fans talked about swing pass because it didn't go over too well back in, uh, what was it, 2018-19 with Ty Chandler and Eric Gray and Jared Garantano. So ho- hopefully the swing pass can, can make a return and, and be better than it was. But I, I think to, to maybe supplement the lack of depth, that running back or lack of talent, I think you'll, you'll maybe see more design runs for Hendon Hooker. I, I think that's how they'll kind of make up for that. You know, the interesting thing is, I mean, they were not a terrible running football team last year. Now, oh. third and short, they were not a very good running football team. But the idea that this program couldn't run the ball last year, I mean, they rushed for 2,544 yards in the regular season. I don't have the bowl stats in front of me. But, I mean, they ran the football pretty effectively. They didn't run it, you know, packed in on third and one, which they have to improve. But, I mean, they were a good running football team last year. I mean, 2,500 yards is, is is a pretty effective run game. So, uh, I, I don't think you're – I mean, I don't think it's one of those deals – listen, I've seen teams that can't run the football, and last year was not a team that couldn't run the football. Yeah, I mean, they average over 200 yards a, a game, uh, point blank. Now, they didn't run the ball well against Alabama and Georgia. Okay, I guess. But who that. the hell did? Exactly. So, uh, do you think Dixon can legitimately carve out a role with this team this year, or are you seeing him as a depth piece in insurance – that's from Joey Mack. Rob, he's here. He's playing, right? I mean, he's got to be in shape. Got to know the playbook, but they need they need a body. Totally. I mean, I I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, he's not I mean, a guy like that's not coming to Tennessee to sit. I mean, I think that's an easy answer. Yeah, I think the question with him is: does Does Tennessee get the Clemson version, the first two year Clemson version uh, of Dixon, who rushed for over a thousand yards and I think thirteen touchdowns in two seasons? If they get that guy, then he's going to help them immensely. If they get the guy who's obviously wasn't happy the last couple of years at Clemson and it didn't go well with his position coach. I, I don't know how effective he can be, but from a talent standpoint, he's proven he can play in this league or he can play at the power five level, Ben. I, I think when you look at what he did early on in his Clemson career, he's shown he can play. Yes. And uh, I just don't think Tennessee's really in a spot to where they can be picky. Uh, Jabari small. I think he's going to have a solid year. I'm, I, I think Jalen Wright's going to take a step forward and I'm interested to see if the two freshmen can contribute, but uh, to add experience um, and really a, a national championship level player was on that championship team at Clemson, I believe, a couple of years back with, with Trevor Lawrence. You, you need that experience when, when you lack as much depth and uncertainty at, at the running back position as Tennessee does right now. Yeah, bottom line, you have two guys who are injury prone. And I think that's fair to say. I understand it was one year for Jalen Wright, but two guys who are injury prone and then two freshmen. So 
uh, you got to have some guys in there. We got two more. I skipped over this one. I want to circle back around and uh, Rob Bent. Well, we'll go with Rob here. Uh, do you see the tight ends being more involved in the red zone passing game? They did this at UCF. They they love doing this at UCF. Didn't see a whole lot of it last year, with the exception of the one that comes to mind, Pittsburgh with Jacob Warren. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think you're going to see a whole lot. I think those two kids combined for you know, 34, 35 catches last year. I mean, I I could see them having an uptick in production, but I I don't see them suddenly. And maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't see Jacob Warren or Princeton Fant suddenly you know, just becoming a red zone weapon. I mean, I no more than they were last year. I'll, I'll be surprised. Last one goes to Brent Hubbs on Josh and Swain. Austin Price mentioned Lance Williams name as an offensive lineman. Tennessee might circle back around to, uh, you know, later on if they find a need or whatever. Uh, of course, he's committed to Virginia Tech. Looks like wrestling really helped him out, you know, for, for Lance Williams, for Deshaun Bishop, for, for other guys in this conversation. You know, how does Tennessee kind of play that if there's a need there? Uh, I feel like they would continue to pursue. As you pointed out, it's recruiting's recruiting. You just got to go harder if you need it. Yeah, I mean, look, again, you're going to go swinging after committed players. I mean, and coaches are going to look at everybody's commitments uh, for the first three games to, to see if there's guys that they like that were sort of on the cusp for them in summer evaluations or spring evaluations and, and, and then go from there. It, would Lance Williams listen? I don't know. I mean, that, that would be something that Lance and his family would have to look at if Tennessee were to call. Um, I'll say this. I think Lance Williams is in the best shape of his life, and um, Lance probably would, would have gotten even greater recruiting attention had he been in the shape he's in right now a couple years ago when he was on the camp circuit. But uh, I, I think he is uh, – poised to have a really good year at Alcoa, and he's a guy that looks good. I think he's very happy with his decision at Virginia Tech, but I know this in the world of recruiting, you never say never, and that's just the way recruiting is. As I said earlier, the word commitment means recruit harder, and uh, that's what a lot of schools do. So we'll see what happens uh, and, and who jumps up on Tennessee's board uh, out of the blue here during the fall because there's always names that pop up. Again, there's tons of guys in this class. Justin Williams-Thomas comes to mind. Uh, James Pierce, that's – did not know about in summer of 2021, yet big time gets uh, come National Signing Day in December of last year. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Smoky Mountain Organics Mailbag Podcast. Big thanks to Smoky Mountain Organics. Shop online uh, whenever at SmokyMountainOrganics.com and check out one of the three locations, including one right here in East Tennessee, 8018 Kingston Pike, across the street from the Traders Joe's. Don't forget to subscribe, to like, to comment, to I'll throw a little heart there on uh, to this episode on YouTube. And if you haven't already, please follow, subscribe. It will get to your YouTube quicker than it will get to the general quarters. For Brett Hubs, Ben McKee, and Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here today on the Mailbag Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday and stay tuned to the front page. Plenty of coverage coming from Tennessee Football Camp. You've been listening to the Ball Quest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VaultQuest.